0: Hello and welcome back to not just another sports podcast. This is the March 9th edition of the podcast. We are days away from the NFL legal tampering period to begin. And joining me as always is Christian Amesworth. Christian, are you getting hyped? Are you getting excited? What
1: are your feelings? Well, yeah. How can you not be excited after one of the biggest days of any offseason that we've seen in a long time, especially for the AFC West, right? Like Russell Wilson just got traded to the Broncos. Let's go. Let's get some competition. Yeah.
0: You know, I think it's always kind of interesting to see how these dominoes fall. Um, You know, usually one kind of falls and then another does so on and so forth. I mean, I remember it back even when it was the um, Alex Smith trade, you know, that was kind of one of the first dominoes and last year it was Matt Stafford getting traded during the super bowl. But it, to me, they, you know, the rumor is when it came to the Russell Wilson trade, that this had been in the works since the senior bowl and they knew that Rodgers was going back, but it also was no coincidence that the news broke hours after the Aaron Rodgers news broke. So, um, you know, I I think that the the pieces are starting to fall. There's definitely a lot more quarterback pieces that need to fall. Um, You know, I think some of them will happen in free agency. I, I think that, you know, that we might see another quarterback two or two traded like Kirk Cousins possibly. We saw Carson Wentz get traded today but, um, I mean, you, you you started with it right there at the lead. Um, Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Um, it kind of stinks if you're a Chiefs fan, I'm not going to lie. Um, on the surface level, I think for me, the biggest takeaway from this, not just as a Chiefs fan, but just as a fan of football in general, is what the hell are the Seahawks doing, man? I, How do you get this sideways with a player who is – pretty i mean russell wilson has some nonsense but compared to um you know punch of karma aaron Rodgers, and some of the other divas that have been in the nfl at the quarterback position russell wilson is not that bad and they chose 70 whatever year old Pete carroll over russell wilson i mean i i cannot understand how the seahawks got themselves in this bad of a position in the same breath, I think I know the answer to the question. And it's part of what scares me about the Chiefs a little bit. It's that they continually did made poor decisions when it came to the building of the roster. And then it left a like diminished roster for Russell Wilson. And they just became so top heavy with Russell Wilson and a few other players that the rest of the roster, roster lacked. Now, the big difference between the Seahawks and the Chiefs are Andy Reid is, you know, a Hall of Fame coach and Pete Carroll probably will be too, but he's an offensive-minded coach who continues to push Mahomes and be a great offensive mind, whereas Pete, Pete Carroll is conservative and has continually taken the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. But I mean, that's my biggest reaction is just how did Seattle get this crooked with a, you know, we were I was listening to someone talk about, you know, how supposedly the commanders called the chiefs about Patrick Mahomes um, just to see like what the true value would be. Mm -hmm. And you know, if it was 10 first round picks, it still wouldn't be enough because you could draft in the first round 10 times and still not come away with a player equal to Patrick Mahomes. So for the Seahawks to more or less do that and just trade away a player. Yeah. They got a big haul back and it, yes, it helps them reset the franchise, But I mean, what are they going to do, build it up and not have a quarterback? I mean, we've seen on the flip side what that meant for the Broncos. They've been nothing since they've won the Super Bowl for six years because they didn't have the quarterback right. And the Seahawks just jettisoned
1: away a top five quarterback. Yeah, well, and let's I'll go back a little bit. You talked about the Seahawks being kind of like the Chiefs, and, and I agree with you to a certain extent. But I think that the Seahawks are kind of a little bit more like the Rams, if we're gonna look at it that way. Like they're the Rams in a sense that they, they go out and they make these big trades, like, oh, we'll get Jamal Adams, you know, like we'll 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 invest, you know what? We'll throw a, a second round pick at DK Metcalf. Like they'll they'll expend some of their resources to get some good players. But then they just don't draft well. Like they how many first round picks did they give up for Jamal Adams? Wasn't it two? And then they gave him an, an enormous contract. Like that's sort of the same thing that the Rams did with Jalen Ramsey. Like, they they give a ba- big haul to the Jags in order to get him there. The only difference is that when the, when they draft guys like Aaron Donald, like Cooper Cup, like Woods, there, there are plenty of guys that they've drafted. They, they actually hit on them, right? And that's something the Seahawks haven't been able to do. Pete Carroll has missed, man, how many first-round draft picks? Like Rashad Penny, draft a first-round running back. We know exactly how that goes over here in KC, like just bad decision after bad decision, but, you know, kind of relating back to what you said at the tail end of that, how, how did the Broncos do this? How did, how did they swindle the Seahawks into giving away their, I mean, their franchise quarterback for nothing more than two firsts and two seconds. How how does that happen? Like, well, where's, I think where's the where's the logic there that, that doesn't make any sense to me?
0: Well, I mean, from the Broncos perspective, I think one of the most underreported things about the Russell Wilson trade is how little of the salary cap hit the Broncos are taking. I saw it reported that Russell Wilson's cap hit next year for the Broncos is going to be twenty four million dollars. That is a bargain for a quarterback at that point in their career. I mean, obviously it's not rookie quarterback money, but I mean, that's a great, great price and does not, you know, they could have easily traded for Russell Wilson and gave him a new deal, but to keep him on that deal is super advantageous for them as far as roster building goes. On the other side, you know, you use the term swindled. I I never want to say someone won or lost a trade this early into it. I mean, we won't know for a couple of years, right? Like you know, the Orlando Brown trade, for instance, as much as I want to declare a full win at this point, we can't. But, um, yeah, I mean, on the flip side, Russell Wilson is 33 years old. He's coming off some of his worst seasons. He has not won in the playoffs in quite some time. Um, there, there there, are some signs there. You know, he's a smaller quarterback who relies on mobility. He's going into a new offense. Um, there, there's definitely some questions that could be there. Now, in the most part, I still think that, you know, the Broncos got much, much better, even with jettisoning away uh, Derek, not Derek, Wolf, uh Shelby Harris and Noah Fant. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, there's no way to spin this into like, oh, like it's kind of like that thing where there's some new kid who comes from out of town and joins your football team and he's really big, And you are know, like, oh, I'm not scared of them or whatever. Like, no, you, there's no reason to not act like this isn't concerning. Any Broncos fan who's in your mentions telling you, oh, you're scared, you're stupid or whatever. No, like Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. They've always had a good roster. It makes sense to be concerned about this. You have to play Russell Wilson twice a year now. And there's no, there's no way to sugarcoat that. It got a lot harder to win the AFC West. Now, you know, we saw the AFC or the NFC West be a really tough division this year and both and two teams made it to the NFC championship from that division. So, I mean, it's definitely possible, you know, that the Chiefs are still a Super Bowl contender. It's, this isn't the end of the era or anything like that. But I mean, this just real to me the thing that was the biggest kick in the balls from this, it was like losing the AFC championship game all over again. Like that feeling you had when Mahomes threw that interception in overtime where you knew it was over, like that's how it felt again, seeing Russell Wilson get traded to the Broncos because it just reaffirmed what an opportunity they threw away in that game. It that, It's never going to be that easy again. They got to, you know, yes, they, you know, kind of struggled during the regular season, but they still more or less got the one seed. You know, they they had their playoff win, a thrilling game against the Bills. That was, you know, a coin flip game, literally. And then they get through all of that and then just piss it away against the Bengals. And now seeing Russell Wilson, you know, the Bills are still a great team. The Bengals, they have confidence now. They know they can win. They're going to spend because they have tasted the victory that it's never going to be that easy again.
1: No. And and I agree with you, but let's not pretend like this is going to increase. It's going to increase the difficulty significantly from the past couple of years. Like Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. Okay. And and I'm not downplaying that. I still think that the Broncos are the third best team in the division. Like Justin Herbert, he's got his two biggest weapons back, Mike Williams. And who's that other guy? Keenan Allen, uh, both of those guys are going to be back. The defense is still fairly good. They have a lot of draft capital. Like, they're going to come out of this offseason looking looking pretty good. And I'd say at this point in their career, I think Justin Herbert is probably a better quarterback than Russell Wilson is. Now, my biggest problem with the Russell Wilson trade, or I guess not really problem with the trade, but problem with the anointing the Broncos, you know, this, this contender, is that the defense really wasn't that good last year. The Broncos are usually known for their defense they weren't really that good like they, i think they were 21st in dvoa that's not going to win you a championship i know the chiefs have had a, a pretty bad defense over the past couple of years and done very well there's a difference patrick mahomes is the quarterback like russell wilson is no patrick mahomes justin herbert is no patrick mahomes the the defense or the the afc west still has to run through kc and i know that you know we don't exactly know how this defense is going to look unless veach screws this up i mean catastrophically i I think that we will still be the you know in the catbird seed to win the afc west
0: yeah i don't know man it's it's going to be i i think you know win the afc west is definitely possible but i think the days of just getting that one seed locked up or even the two Mm -hmm. seed are going to be a lot harder because i think that they might win the division at 10 and 7 because of these teams beating up on each other i mean the days of just clean sweeping the afc west are are over. And I mean, I, here's the thing about the Broncos too, you know, they now, I think that they did this at the right time. Who knows as far as illegal tampering goes and when teams actually do this, but I mean, team C now Russell Wilson is here and, you know, this is, this is our time type of thing. So like, you know, we've seen Von Miller hint coming back to the Broncos. This definitely encourages him. It would not surprise me in the least bit to see the Broncos, go out and maybe they resign, you know, another Wisconsin guy and Melvin Gordon, which, you know, he's not terrific, but he adds depth and is a good player at times. It wouldn't surprise me if they, if I saw them add another wide receiver and the defense, you know, with losing Shelby Harris, Bradley Chubb is a perennial disappointment. They don't have much of a pass rush there, but if, you know, it's reasonable to think that Von Miller is coming back. They've, you know, they've got some holes. And, you know, yes, the defense was probably a little overrated from last year. The biggest, the biggest question in all this is just how does Russell Wilson do with Nathaniel Hackett's offense? Because Nathaniel Hackett's fallen on his face once back in Jacksonville and then came and rehabbed his image with Matt LaFleur. And Hackett didn't call plays in Green Bay. So there's, you know, there's some questions there. I I think that they can run a system that will complement Russell Wilson. Um honestly kind of similar to how the Seahawks did, except they used more play action passing, whereas uh, the Seahawks just ran the ball. But I to me, and I I've said this numerous times, even before we were talking about Russell Wilson to the Broncos, is I I think the fantasy football community has powered this Broncos Super Bowl ready, just a quarterback away narrative for so freaking long. Cortland Sutton is okay, like he's good. But, I mean, what are we talking, top 25, top 30 wide receiver? Tim Patrick, like everything that you think about Tim Patrick comes from the fact that he's Tim Patrick. Like, you know, start throwing out wide receivers in the AFC West. Where is Tim Patrick on the list? You know, seventh, eighth, ninth, maybe even lower. I mean, he's, you know, he's a great story because I'm pretty sure he's either a very late draft pick or undrafted. And he does, he does make some nice plays and he's a great, you know, second or third option, but he's not, this isn't, you know, this isn't Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. This isn't, you know, even Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, they traded away Noah Fant, which is kind of a disappointed, um, Mizzou made Albert O is now going to be their guy. You know, you got KJ Hamler now, Jerry Judy, that is the one player that I think could blow up. And I mean, he's, he's got the pedigree. He's a good player. You know, he had an injury last year that could be the guy. And who knows if Jerry Judy's wide receiver one, those other guys are pretty good twos and threes and fours. Um, And then obviously the running back Javante Williams is is a really good player. He reminds me quite a bit of Kareem Hunt and how he runs back when he was a rookie with the chiefs. But uh, you know, I I don't know. I, to me, I think that the Broncos I'm giving the Broncos the edge over the chargers at this point, just because the chargers have not proven yet that Brandon Staley can actually coordinate a good defense. Um, You know, he's supposed to be this defensive genius. I, I believe in Justin Herbert. I believe in that offense. They will be good. But I mean, the defense is still lacking.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you to an extent. The defense is definitely of concern, but they've got some good draft picks and there's some good D tackles, defensive ends in this draft, really good ones against the run. I think that they could really you know improve that defense in the draft maybe throw in a free agent or two i don't know how much cap savings or how much cap room they have but they could definitely make an impact it's hard to see right now it's definitely hard to see the the chargers being over the broncos but i gotta stick with them I, i i've seen justin herbert up close we played him twice we played him four times actually but maybe three times i think it was actually three times And he's just so good, man, especially as a young quarterback. He had kind of a sophomore slump last year. But I think coming into the season, I mean, nobody expected him to be where he was already coming out of Oregon. But the dude is a superstar. And I I could definitely see him being more of a threat, you know, with the right offseason moves more than the Broncos at this point. Because you brought it up, man. That wide receiver core is not as good as everybody says that it is. That offensive line is bad. the the Broncos offensive line was probably their worst position group of all of them last year. And Russell Wilson knows what it's like to play with basically no offensive line. It's not going to go over well. He's going to want them to invest in the offensive line outside of the wide receiver core. And I just don't know how much you can do in an off season. Like let's say they bring an Allen Robinson and, and a guard. Okay you're still missing four other spots on the offensive line and Jared Judy he could definitely pop off i think that he's probably a number 2 wide receiver in the league so yeah you've you've filled in some holes but there's only so much you can do in an off season again and you just got rid of all of your draft picks so i i don't know if they're in a position where they can they can actually make some noise this season but we'll see you know yeah it'll be interesting
0: let's talk about the other part of the quarterback carousel um because you know aaron Rodgers has not been talked about enough and he he's just prying for our attention rogers is returning to green bay um you know i feel like we all knew this at this point he would have been a colossal idiot to leave green bay um especially that division and how things are shaping up in the nfc I guess the only takeaway that I really have from this is that don't get cocky and think like, again, it kind of comes back to the Russell Wilson thing. These quarterbacks own these franchises, man. Like Patrick, you know, Clark Hunt owns the chiefs, but if like, there's someone who's second in command, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's not Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. Because until the day that he retires, the chiefs are obligated to continually make him happy. The Packers tried to, They tried to be the smartest guy in the room, and they tried to draft Jordan Love and think that they could do this again after doing the Brett Favre thing, and it pissed Aaron off, and they pissed Aaron off with keeping Mike McCarthy for so long, and then here they are doing every – I mean, they – They were like that desperate guy who just doesn't want to get broken up with. He said, yeah, 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 like we can take two weeks off and you can, you can sleep with whoever you want to and just come back, just take all the time you need. It it was like pathetic the way that they coddled Aaron Rodgers through all this. Like we're giving him all the time he can to make his decision while we hire You know, while we trade for like 35-year-old Randall Cobb and we bring back his old quarterback coach and we like every Instagram post that he makes and we let him go on the Pat McAfee show and we tell him he's an immunized, Like it was all just like a little sad, honestly, to see, but that was them making up for the lost time that they kind of gave the finger to Aaron, both with players that they allowed to leave, not letting him have input in the roster, and then also the, you know, the decision to draft Jordan Love. I mean, my question is, is like, is Jordan Love one of the one of the dominoes that's going to fall this offseason as far as quarterback trades? I mean, we've already seen another team trade for Carson Wentz. So what's trading for Jordan Love?
1: Yeah, I mean, that will definitely be interesting to see. But what I'm kind of waiting for is to see if Aaron Rodgers has a no trade clause, because we could see some big brain move where they go, no, Rodgers, we want you back. We need you oh, but wait, it's the 2023 offseason, and we just traded you for four first-round picks. Like, I could definitely see that happening. Now, Green Bay isn't necessarily that organization. They tend to be pretty conservative in in their offseason plans, but, man, would that be just one of the best moments for an organization kind of getting back at a player? I'm not an Aaron Rodgers hater. I don't really like him either, though, and sometimes it's just nice to see somebody get what they deserve. And, you know, when you have, when you hold your franchise at gunpoint every single off season for five consecutive seasons, it's just nice when they go, yeah, get an ambulance, but not for me. Right. Like that would be so satisfying to see Aaron Rodgers get traded to a different team. And Green Bay is now in a position where they're in kind of a rebuild, but they have all this draft capital and at least hopefully it's to another NFC team. Cause I don't know if the AFC could handle another top tier quarterback coming in. We're, we're too top heavy as it is right now. Yeah. I,
0: you know, it, it, it definitely is interesting. I, you know, I think it just comes back to investing in the things in the draft, which obviously we'll talk more about as the draft get closer, but I mean, if we're looking at the Seahawks, if we're looking at the Packers, a lot of these questions can be answered through the draft and the chiefs have done a really good job of hitting on some of their later picks lately. And you hope that that trend continues because I mean, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey helped keep Patrick Mahomes happy for sure. Now, you know, he wanted Clyde Edwards, a and we saw where that got us, you know, but was it worth it? I mean, draft pick wise, probably not, but in the sense of keeping Patrick Mahomes happy, probably. Um, But I mean, these these quarterbacks own these these organizations. And I mean, we don't need to talk a lot about Mike Williams, but just talking about how things have just continually gotten harder for the Chiefs. Mike Williams gets re-signed to the Chargers, so he doesn't get tagged. He's getting like 20 million dollars a year. So that's one less free agent wide receiver. And he's staying in the division. Um, Almost everyone that was kind of expected to get tagged didn't or did, excuse me, Uh, JC Jackson did not get tagged. He's probably the most notable player. Harold Landry looked like he wasn't getting tagged, but then he got extended to a long-term deal with the Titans. Um, The Saints didn't uh, tag Tron Armstead or Marcus Williams. Those were the other kind of big names that were kind of potentials. But other than that, the only player that I'm sitting here scratching my head about getting tagged is David Njoku. why why are the Browns paying 11 million dollar franchise tag to David Njoku who they have like three good ish tight ends on the roster and just paid Austin Hooper a couple years ago? But nevertheless, um, you know, we knew that Orlando Brown was going to get the franchise tag, but were there any big takeaways from the tag deadline and what happened?
1: I mean, really the only big shooter drop was the Chris Godwin thing. I mean, we, we kind of expected that he might get a deal done, you know, for for the Bucks. but I think everybody kind of had their heart set on like, oh, Chris Godwin's going to hit the market and the Chiefs are going to pick him up. Well, maybe at least everybody in KC wanted that to happen. Um, unfortunately, he got tagged. The David and Joku thing does not make any sense. The, I mean, unless you say, well, we have a franchise tag and we have to use one, you know, it's like you got to spend all your money in one day or you don't get it back. Like that, that kind of makes sense, but also they have two or three other good tight ends. Why? What, what are we doing? I mean, I think Kareem Hunt also is, is a free agent now as well. So why not use it on him? I think that he probably does more for your offense than, than David and Joku does. So yeah, that, that was a head scratcher for me. Other than that, Jesse Bates getting tagged by the, the Bengals. I think everybody expected that um Allen Robinson walking, you know, that everybody kind of expected. There really were no huge surprises other than that and maybe OBJ getting franchise tagged. Now there was some speculation, I mean Orlando Brown, not Odell. I think people kind of thought that the deal would be done by now. Like I expected that this was going to be like we were we were going to get that done maybe as the first thing, maybe before the Tyreek Hill extension. We get this deal done with OBJ, and now it's gotten into like this weird. He's not gonna sign it because Patrick Mahomes is having a wedding type thing, or maybe he doesn't have accurate. Like he he doesn't have good representation for this. Yeah, that it's becoming a mess.
0: That article that you're referencing by Mike Garofalo, Mm -hmm. I mean, borderline comedy. Some of the stuff that was put in there. I mean, that is a prime example of nfl's player nfl players are what feeds teams or agents information like the players and the agent side first off i didn't know that orlando brown didn't have an agent um must be like a ravens player thing because of lamar not having one as well but the i'm not working on a long-term deal right now because i want to focus on my charity event which is like in april and it's bowling for like a couple hours and then support patrick mahomes through his wedding i've been married before um, I don't think you have, but I mean, I'm telling you, dude it, it ain't that big of a deal, and I'm sure the Mahomes wedding will be a little bit more uh high class than the Carter wedding was, but I mean i just I just don't get like what this and then he just casually sneaks in there, oh, and I'd like to be the highest paid p- player at my position. It, it all just plays into the whole like Orlando Brown wants to play left tackle to make his dad happy, and I mean. I'm sure that that's possibly true, but if his dad was a right tackle, I really doubt that he'd be begging to move to right tackle. You know, like I'm sure it
1: helps that the left tackle gets paid more. Yeah, and I, I didn't hear about the – I, I must have missed that in the article about him be, wanting to be the, the highest paid player at his position. I don't think you could do that, can you? I mean, it, you, you watched as many Chiefs games as I did last year. Does that, that make any sense at all? Oh, no. I mean, there's no
0: there's no way that you can make Orlando Brown the highest paid left tackle in football. No, I mean, it's like anything kind of like the Patrick Mahomes contract is already kind of looking like a sweetheart deal right now as more and more players sign, like the Aaron Rodgers contract. But I mean, no, there's no way you can't, especially because like I feel like, you know, we sign Orlando Brown, he gets his big deal there's always that potential of him sliding back over to right tackle after he gets paid. Cause we all know that's what this is really about. Um, sorry, Jeff with 32 followers on Twitter who continually yells, no, he wants to be left tackle. Cause of dad, he'll never do anything different. No, it's about money. But um, yeah, man, I mean, you, you just can't pay him top of the line money. He cannot go out there. Like the chiefs got outbid last year for Trent Williams. Like they can't go and top Trent Williams player with a player who's 65% of Trent Williams, 70% of Trent Williams. I mean, you know, if this was Trent Williams, at least you feel good about like, you know, back when Justin Houston got his big deal in like 2015 or whatever you were paying Justin Houston, but at least he was the, you know, one of the premier pass rushers in the league and he was the highest paid play, highest paid player at his position. But well, it I mean, was well, argued
1: that he was one of the best of the decade he just came off of like a 22 sack season. Didn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, like he, he, he
0: scared the record.
1: Yeah. So I, you can't pay, you cannot pay Orlando Brown, Trent Williams money. That, that to me is, is nonsense. I, I think that if that's what OBJ wants, I think that he has all of the power in this negotiation because we traded for him and we don't want to lose out on that investment. I also think that it, it's okay to say no. I think it's okay to, to not fall into the, sunk cost fallacy here and invest something else into the tackle position. We, th- we talked before the show about who we would be mad at if, if the chiefs drafted at, at 30. Um, and one of the things you brought up was offensive tackle with somebody you would not be mad if they invested in and surprised me a little bit, but that makes complete sense. If this is where we're at with the OBJ deal and we're a franchise tag, you know, we, we might even franchise tag them next year. I think it's okay to invest in, in an offensive tackle. Listen, he he's been very good. He's played above average. You know, his his play has been above average. And I think that if you want to invest eighty percent of what Trent Williams has gotten, that's okay. You could do that. You, it was a good investment. I think we we would have. I think you could say we won the trade if we signed him to a four year deal, and be done with it. But if OBJ is wanting top dollar, I I think that. That's ludicrous. I, I, you can't do that and expect to have a good offseason or to become the dynasty that you're aspiring to be.
0: Well, I think one, one thing that I will applaud the Chiefs on doing in this instance is they did not, because when they traded for Frank Clark, he was traded to the Chiefs, and then an hour later, we found out we got a new contract. The Chiefs have not done that with Orlando Brown. They've slow played all of this and appear to continue to be doing that. Now, maybe part of that is on Orlando Brown, who, um, you know, is representing himself and not having an agent, which surely to me is not going to help him focus on, you know, showing up to camp or anything like that. Like it's very clear that he's going to hold out as long as possible, not be at mini camp until he has to be. Um, I mean, yeah, I is absolutely on the draft board for the Chiefs. And if they're sitting at pick 30 and there's a good tackle that could be a left tackle or a right tackle, I don't think they can say no to either. You know, you know, there's there are positions of need, but tackles definitely up there. Because I mean, if they there is something in the franchise tag where if a player is traded, you know, they can rescind the tag and trade them, and then the other team tags them or you know gives them a new deal. That's actually how the Frank Clark deal went down for the Chiefs. The Seahawks tagged him. So I mean, I I don't see the Chiefs drafting a tackle and trading Orlando Brown Jr. um But you know. Could that happen next year? Possibly. Um, if, if they find some sort of answer. I mean, Eric Fisher's a free agent. Again, I would be surprised if the Chiefs brought him back to play left tackle or right tackle for all of you dreaming of that. But, uh, yeah, they, the top dollar thing is scary. That's, that's one of those where it's like, man, what did we – you know, this is – he's a good player, and the Chiefs had to make the move, and I still contend that it was the right move to make at the time. But the problem is, is that now you've got this situation where you're in bed with someone who's won top dollar. But um, yeah, I think for the Chiefs, that's mostly everything. I guess one other thing I wanted to talk about, we actually have not podcasted together in a while. During the off season, I was moving, getting a new house and kind of stressful. One other thing that has happened since we've met is Matt Nagy is officially the quarterback coach he's brought back to the chiefs this was inevitable we all kind of saw this coming a million miles away what's more notable is the never ending drama which i have decided that one of the rings of hell is just people pretending to get mad about eric bienemy not being a head coach and then also people getting mad because he clearly has not qualified himself to be a head coach and then people bringing it back to race And then people talking about whether Patrick Mahomes like him and if he calls the plays, and then we just do it over and over again, every off season, but the drama around, and I, here's the thing, we're going to throw away that ridiculous article that was written by the chiefs editorial board or whatever that was. I think that some of the drama was manipulated and created by that article, but nonetheless, I've never seen it where an offensive coordinator as soon as the last head coach is hired, Rappaport, those guys tweet out, he's a coaching-free agent. It was very clear distinct. That information came from his agent. And then they tweet out the day of the Super Bowl that the Chiefs are going to have a sit-down with him and talk about it. It was just all very unusual. And I, I just, again, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes come out and support Eric bien he, unless he's been prompted to. I definitely think that there was something there. And then Diana Rossini, who is pretty good, or sorry, Justina Anderson, she she's a pretty good source. She put out some sort of cryptic tweet after the Matt Nagy hiring saying, you know, a source tells me that Patrick Mahomes is extremely happy with the Matt Nagy hiring and really glad to have him back in the building. And it's like, what does this mean? Like, why are we, like, it it just all feels kind of forced. And also, I will bring up the fact that the Chiefs have yet to put out an official tweet, which they always do about this stuff we have uh, re-signed Eric Bieniemy as our offensive coordinator. From what it sounds like, it's a done deal. Like, you know, Matt Pertoram and some of the good source guys have all said it's a done deal. But the Chiefs have never put it out. It makes me think that they have him in pencil. And if something comes up, you know, if some college football coach gets fired or some opening comes up, they're leaving the door open to it. But it, it's all still very weird to me. But I guess Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy are the coaches along
1: with Andy Reid obviously so I what are your thoughts on that situation it's definitely a weird situation right like you said it there was no official post it does seem sort of tongue-in-cheek like oh we brought him back yeah well yeah sort of and Mahomes is happy he's here yeah well kind of like it you know I I don't have I, I don't care what happens either way if EB comes back that's great if Mac Nagy ends up becoming an offensive coordinator that's great too um it's obvious that they're both fairly good at their jobs Andy Reid wouldn't keep him around for as long as he has unless you know they were at least somewhat competent um Bob Sutton you saw he got kicked out of the building there towards the end of his well at the end of his Kansas City Chiefs career it's just kind of weird to me the connections people are making between Matt Nagy and some of the free agents that that to me is weirder than anything else like Allen Robinson doesn't want to come to the chiefs because Matt Nagy became the quarterbacks coach. It's like, dude, that, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Okay. He's not in charge of schemes and everybody knows that the offense runs through Andy Reed and he has the final say on all plays and on scheme and who he wants out there. It all runs through Andy Reid. If Allen Robinson comes, he's going to be part of the offense. Okay, so that that to me it makes more noise than anything else. Eric bien is a great offensive coordinator. Now, it's obvious that he is not head coach uh, material, and he might need to take a step down into college if that's even available to him. Um, <clears throat> or he needs to go to a, a different team as an offensive coordinator to prove himself there. It's clear that Matt Nagy really isn't head coaching material. So I think having them both on this roster it makes the roster better. I'd rather have Matt Nagy, who's, who's been there, done that, been a head coach, been an offensive coordinator, sort of step back and, and get some perspective on the situation and, and kind of take a reduced role. And I don't mind Eric Bieniemy coming back. Like, he's going to be a great offensive coordinator. The Chiefs' offense has been incredible under him, even without a third or a second wide receiver option. And to me, it's just a win-win. It's amazing. We, we got Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy on the roster. Both great offensive coordinators. Now, is that too many? There's there's too many captains of the ship. There's too many, you know, ideas coming in and out of Patrick Mahomes' head. We'll see. I don't think that that will be an issue, but it is something that we might want to monitor going into the season. So,
0: right, yeah, and I I definitely do think that there is still definitely some smoke to the fire of the fact that Matt Nagy might be the heir apparent one day to Andy Reid. I'm not sure how I feel about this at this point, but that's not a bridge we have to cross it right now as far as if Matt Nagy is going to be the next head coach. So let's wrap it up here with a little bit of kind of looking into the future. Obviously, we have talked about some players that we want the Chiefs to sign. We have some more clarity, like for instance, Chris Godwin was one of my players. He's read He's been tagged again by the Bucs, so that's not an option. We pretty much know the players that are headed to free agency at this time. Um, Now it's just a point of what's going to happen. What do you think that we're each going to kind of just talk a little bit about what we think the Chiefs are going to do when it comes to free agency and the draft? And now, when we say a draft, I don't need your um, full seven round mock because I have not. I honestly don't dive into the draft until after free agency, because I think teams give us a little bit of a glimpse into what they are doing in the draft with free agency, especially a team like the Chiefs that have a lot of answers to what, they already know what they're gonna do at quite a few positions. So, you know, we're gonna see kind of what they're prioritizing. For me, I expect the Chiefs to be reasonably quiet in free agency. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of us sitting around and being like, come on, Chiefs, do something. Where's the Chiefs news? Where's the Chiefs news? Part of that is, is because so far, we haven't got a lot of news about the Chiefs restructuring contracts or anything like that. They still have not cut Frank Clark, which worries the hell out of me that they're not going to, but they need to clear that cap space. Um, I, what I expect the Chiefs to do is I feel like that they are going to look at their roster and look at what their needs are and what needs can be satisfied through free agency. For instance, the pass rush is not going to be satisfied through free agency. There's just too much need. Same with the secondary if Tyron Matthew leaves. I think that they will probably try to fill some holes that they have that can be done with free agency checked off the list. To me, that would be wide receiver. I, you know, I do think that there's a need at wide receiver. You know, we've all thrown around the names of players that we'd like to see be added to the chiefs. I think what they will do is that we will get one bigger ish signing it'll be a wide receiver um you know juju smith schuster pick your player and then i think we'll get kind of one smaller one um i think that that could be an edge rusher or possibly a tackle and or a safety corner i know i just kind of throw like four positions but my point is that it's going to be a name they're like oh okay like not a name we're all super excited about i think people will be excited about the wide receiver And then I expect them to just kind of sit there and clean up the pieces afterwards, you know, kind of like your Jarek McKinnon level signings, players like that, but then go into the draft and really attack those positions that they didn't address. Like I, you know, I expect a draft that's going to be heavy in pass rush and going to be heavy in secondary because that's clearly what they need. Now, for me personally, what I would like them to do is not ignore those. Offensive playmakers in the draft. I feel like that's what's going to happen is that they're going to look at these quarterbacks in the division and they're going to go, Oh man, we gotta we gotta build a defense. I'm telling you, the Chiefs could spend every free agent dollar that they have and every draft pick that they have in this draft on the defense, and it's still not gonna be good enough to be a top 10, five defense with this division. It's just not going to happen. The Chiefs are much more likely to be able to win games 42-41 than they're going to be to win 13-10. Now, will they win a game like that this coming season? Sure, it's possible. But they have so many needs on the defensive position, even including some of the smaller things like we've talked about. You want to get rid of Dan Sorensen? Okay, well, you need two safeties. You need someone to replace Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen. You're getting rid of Anthony Hitchens. You need you need more depth. Yes, we like the young linebackers, but they need more depth. They're losing Derek Naughty. They need a guy to fill his role. I mean, there's lots of needs. So, I, but I would still like to see them continue to address playmakers because I think that they are much more likely to be a dominant offense than they are a dominant defense. And it's going to have to be a dominant defense that shuts down Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. And oh, don't forget, the Chiefs are playing the NFC West this year, too. So, you get to face Matt Stafford, you get to face the 49ers offense, whether that be with Trey Lance or Jimmy G, you're facing Kyler Murray. I mean, the schedule will be a, a difficult one again.
1: Yeah, uh, they're, they're in for a tough one. I agree with you almost 90% on on that. I th- I think that, you know, you go into the offseason, you're very smart, you pick and choose who you add, you add in positions of value, like wide receiver and defensive end. The only thing that's holding me up is Brett Veach is not a guy that likes to take care of things like that. And and Steve Spagnuolo is a guy that likes continuity along the defensive side of the ball. What I think they do is they re-sign a fair bit of their free agents. I think they re-sign Ward. I'm not sure that they re-sign Tyron Matthew, but I think they re-sign Melvin Ingram, Derek Nottie, as much as I hate to say it, Ben Neiman. Uh, I doubt Daniel Sorensen comes back, but maybe Armani Watts. I believe he's a free agent as well. I think they re-sign those guys, and I think Brett Veach just he goes all in, I, and I think he he kind of beats the system here. I think that I'm going to make a prediction. I think he trades for Khalil Mack, I, and I think it doesn't take a first round pick because of his injury history and his cap hit.
0: Well, you are you are all in on the bring Khalil Mack to Kansas City thing. Which I mean, it's, I, it's fine. Call you know, call your shot. It's fine. <clears throat> I mean, if you if you're right, you
1: certainly are owed a victory lap. Well, I, I got to double down, first of all, because he's from the Bears, and they're my favorite NFC team. And second of all, like, dude, he would be so good in this defense. He's he's Melvin Ingram 2.0. Like, he, he's a guy that can come in and provide impact on the defense. And if you can do it for a second and a third, maybe like a second-round pick and a third-round pick swap, like, that's value. And I think that the Bears are in a rebuild they're trying to get rid of some of their their expensive contracts, get some draft picks back and Khalil Mack's a little older. He's getting towards the end of that mega deal he signed, so his cap number is probably like 28 million, I think. And you know that's that's a big hit. But he provides something that that the Chiefs don't have, which is a solid pass rush from the edge. Now, if they do that, right? And they keep that first round draft pick, I think that they can probably sign Juju. Uh probably not Allen Robinson unless his cap number is just Unless his his uh contract is gonna be a little light. Um, but I think you can sign guys like that. Maybe bring back bring back Pringle, keep that wide receiver core. It he's a guy Mahomes seems to like. He finds him in the end zone fairly often. So you're keeping the solidarity. It's not as many moves as we'd like, like, oh, go sign Justin Jackson or JC Jackson for for 25 mil a year. It, it's not gonna be anything like that but you're bringing in veterans that can come in and help this team immediately since we are in win now mode. And it's, it's something Brett Veach would do. Like nobody saw Nobody saw the Frank Clark trade coming. Nobody saw the Orlando Brown trade coming. And that's, this is just one of those things that I feel like is going to come out of the blue. Maybe we'll pick up another free agent uh, defensive end or or D tackle. And then we draft a wide receiver in the first round. I'm not saying Jameson Williams falls to us, but if he's there, you know, send the pick and we'll, we'll wait on him to get better and then just have the best offense of all time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, again, I think that there's a lot of different paths they can go to. And I think that Brett Veach has those paths mapped out, you know, if, if there is a trade, you know, that's going to impact how the draft goes and how their draft, how the free agency goes, it's going to impact how they're, um their draft goes and i think that there's a lot of you know we were talking off the off the podcast about kind of just what we think they're going to do there's not many positions that aren't a position of need for the chiefs i think we feel pretty comfortable in saying guard and center are are okay the Chiefs kind of need a quarterback in the sense of like they always can be developing a backup quarterback i don't think you want to resign chad henning because it's just getting expensive to have a backup like that whereas, you know, just get someone who's cheap, who can sit behind Mahomes. And then I mean, worst comes to worst, if you have a good backup quarterback, you can always flip that for some sort of picks if some team's interested, like Jimmy Garoppolo, etc. You know, wide receiver, definitely, especially if the Tyree kill extension is not done. Um, you know, Travis, Travis Kelsey is getting older tight end. Yes. Defensive line, all of it. Yes. Um, linebacker, you know, they're potentially losing two linebackers with anthony Hitchens and ben neiman um definitely need depth there and then the secondary all needs it i mean hell i wouldn't even be mad if they drafted a punter later what's that punter from arizona state who's amazing uh tommy townshank always has terrible punts when it matters most it seems like um you know i'm talking late round for a punter i don't need a third round punter but you know there's not many positions that aren't a need so I really think I really hope that they're in a position where they can do best player available in the draft, the highest player on their board. That way we don't really have to worry about, you know, oh, well, we need pass rusher. So we're going to push up and get this guy. So hopefully they can answer some of those questions in free agency.
1: Well, and I'll put you on the spot here real quick. Do you think that they end up trading their first round draft pick? Because I think that there's maybe about as good a chance of them keeping them keeping it as they do if they trade it away. Like, I think that Brett Veach is very, very eager to get somebody that coming from a trade. So I could, I could see them trading their, their first-round draft pick, and it's something that a lot of people have mocked as well. So you see them trading that first-round draft pick, maybe trading the second as well? I see them trading the first-round draft pick, but in the draft to trade down. I think this might be the first year that we
0: actually get a trade down from the Chiefs it's been rumored that they were trying to trade down the year that they drafted Clyde Edward DeLair. And after Jordan Love went off the board, no one wanted to trade back up. Um, so it was kind of difficult for the chiefs to do that, but I think this might be the year that they trade down. And I I honestly would not be disappointed with that at all. Um, we've seen good things happen for the chiefs when they, I mean, the last time they did that, they came away with Mitch Morris and Chris Jones, two really good football players. Um, I believe I'm not entirely sure. That's sure. Those might be separate drafts, but um, you know, I, I I think that, that this might be the year that they finally do it. They realize that they need, like when it comes to teams having really big needs, the Chiefs did this with their offensive line. The Bengals did it with their cornerbacks throw numbers at the situation, you know, free agency and the draft, the more picks the hat you have, the more likely you get those lottery tickets, right? The more lottery tickets you have, the more you win. So, you know, if they have two, you know, two two high seconds instead of one first, yes, you know, we covet the first round pick. But also one thing to remember, too, there's a big difference financially between a first and a second round pick. So, you know, the Chiefs, they lose that fifth year option on that player, but it does give them some cap space, too. I mean, it's it's getting to the point now that some of these top 10 picks are instantly some of the highest paid players on their team, cap-wise. So... That's what I'm hoping that they do. I really, really, really do not need to see. I mean, could there be a player that I could be excited about that they trade a first round pick for? Sure, of course. But, you know, some of the some of the names that Chiefs Twitter has floated out there, like DK Metcalf or the Jags, Josh Allen or any of those guys. I Well, the thing that always happens is they always end up trading for a player that's almost done with their deal. So then you just instantly are giving them a new deal. And you're just continuing the problem of, you know, we're paying 10 guys 50% of our cap or more. And that's, it's ultimately going to come
1: back and bite them. Oh, yeah. And the cap is real, folks. We've we've said that multiple times on here. Uh, The Chiefs do need to get a little bit cheaper and a little bit younger. Um, they, They were a pretty young team last year with, you know, with Bolton and Gay taking a lot of the snaps. Um, same thing with Sneed. They, they've got a good, strong core of young players, but taking more money off the books is never a bad idea. And Price brought it up. I think that was a great point. Trade back, get two seconds. Um, it gives you a little bit more cap room, and I think there's value. I think there's probably more value in the high second round than there is in the late first. I mean, there there are plenty of really, really good guys that come out of the first round. It almost seems to me like there are more players. come out of the second round that are stars than the late first so i wouldn't be opposed to seeing that either just as long as we're not doing the obj thing again where we trade a significant draft pick essentially a first round draft pick and getting back somebody who wants to be the highest paid player at the position that isn't really worth that money and i think after you do the tooney deal after you pay orlando brown after you maybe pay Tyron Matthew to come back after you cut Frank Clark and take that dead cap hit, there's not a whole lot of money left. Like you can free up a little bit here with, with letting Tyron maybe walk and, and Frank Clark getting cut and Anthony Hitchens, you never make that money back. That dead cap hit, it hurts a lot more than you think it does because let's just say that they cut Frank Clark and it's six mil dead cap. That's two players. That's two good players. That might be, difference between Ward coming back and him not coming back like that so that's a big deal and getting younger guys that you know will have four years of essentially working for free um that that's a whole lot easier to stomach if you got to cut one of them or if one of them doesn't pan out now will the Chiefs do it you know we have no idea but we'll see it's this is an important offseason and I think maybe the most important that we've seen in the past four or five years. Yeah, yeah, we
0: talked about that,
1: that this is bar none the most important offseason the Chiefs have had. And
0: I mean, it's going to continue to be that way as long as the Chiefs are, you know, in Patrick Mahomes' prime. It's always going to be super important. But yeah, this one, this one's definitely a top priority. But, um, you know, we will see how free agency is going. We don't the, the last thing we want to do is hop on and record a podcast and then like an hour later we find out that the chief signed a player and what we did was basically useless you guys don't want to listen to that either so we we will kind of play free agency by ear it might be a little bit later in the week whenever we record definitely recording a podcast next week though just to kind of react to all the hysteria too because there'll be plenty of storylines that are not chiefs to be focused on but. um as always, guys, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. We're glad to be back. We're glad football is back. We're excited about the draft. Um, thank God for football because baseball has given us absolutely nothing. Um, so make sure you are following me on Twitter at Price A. Carter and following Christian at Breezy underscore edits. Christian, you got anything else before we go? Uh
1: yeah, I'll I'll plug something. So we're doing a draft guide at Arrowhead Live and I've kind of been the graphic designer part of that, maybe a little bit of a wide receiver draft analysis stuff like that, but that'll be coming out soon, so keep your eyes open. Uh it should be pretty good value. So yeah, watch for it. It'll be coming out I think right before the draft, maybe 2 weeks before. So
0: yeah. And I mean, this is just a, like a reminder when it comes to, you know, I see so many people when it comes to social media, like, Oh, it's another, it's a Ravens blog. It's a Chiefs blog. It's a, you know, a, you know, a minimal podcast or whatever. You got to remember that everything that you follow, you know, when it comes to things like Barstool or Pat McAfee shows or other thing like that. Yes. We are not former NFL players like Pat McAfee, but I mean, all these websites and stuff like that they all start like this they all start from humble beginnings um and it's it's super easy to support these places whether it be arrowhead live or any of your other chiefs blogs or royals blogs or whoever you follow but just remember you know there's a lot of people who enjoy doing this as a hobby as a passion and it's so easy to support them you know we're not at, people don't ask for hundreds of dollars you know like it's always like five dollars here 40 dollars here or whatever. Do your best to support those because that's part of what powers Chiefs Kingdom, you know, they're the people that when you're sitting around at work, bored out of your mind, they put out a hypothetical trade where the Chiefs get Josh Allen or something and you're sitting here engaged in Twitter because they put in the time to do that or they put in the time to make the graphics that you retweet or whatever. So there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just you know, someone sitting in mom's basement, like everyone thinks blogging is. So do support that, do support the hard work that not only Arrowhead Live does, but other places do, whether it be Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, whatever. But yeah, we appreciate it, guys. We hope you have a good one. And um, this is us signing off on another, not just another sports podcast.
1: Yep. See you guys. Have a great week.